here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Basically, just want to let you know ahead of time that I screwed up. Um, this episode was meant to come out last week, but a combination of me being busy and also very forgetful has meant I took ages to edit it, um, or more accurately, kept forgetting to get around to editing it. So it's a week late. Um, and as such, a lot of what they're saying won't quite make as much sense because they're talking as if it was a week ago, you know. So don't get on them for that if they're talking about stuff like um, the UK tournament when we all know that that's now led to NXT UK. Obviously, they didn't at the time. It's not on them. It's on me. Um, Feel free to throw hate my way um, because I like that sort of thing. Um, Don't kink shame me, okay? Um, yeah, I'll hand over to them. Hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, yeah, bye. Hello, and welcome to the Brit Rest Roundtable, the latest episode. I'm Ollie Court, I'm back again after an episode absence, and with me, he's quick, he's glorious, his hair is luxurious, Arnold Furious, <laughs> Arnold Furious. Hello! <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> that. That was definitely worth it. <laughs> Arn, how are you? I've, I feel better now, I've got my own chant. Uh, the, uh, they... One of the lads from uh, Progress, I think it was Joel, uh, tried to get like a furious going uh, a la yeah. Bobby Roode, but yeah. Uh, yeah, like a full chant. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Anyway, I felt you needed your own chant because you are on Furious. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. And it's been a fairly busy time in Britress, um with the latest crop of WWUK stuff coming through. Phase 2 has begun um, and obviously World of Sport triggering that. So it's all it's all shake up again in the world of Britress, so we're here to cover it. And Fucking was... ITV, it's always ITV. Oh yes. <laughs> We've got to get our Saturday night daytime programming. Uh, and yeah, because of all that shake up stuff uh, there was a show RevPro Live in Southampton which was sort of caught right in the epicenter of the storm that ITV and WWE case caused. And I felt because of that, the, the Rev Pro show was a lot more passionate than usual. Like there was just that extra oomph to it um, with everyone just working that a little bit harder. Andy Q putting on something just a little bit more special. It was a hell um, of a show. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, was really good. I mean, I'm, I'm really fired up for the prospect of uh, Rev Pro's main feud being uh, Psycho Phillips versus Mr. Moonsault, but uh, I oh, guess yeah. we're a few signings away from that just yet. I've, and I've seen Psycho Phillips versus Mr. Moonsault live um, <laughs> at the cockpit uh, like three years ago. It wasn't very good. 
Uh, yeah, I can believe Mr. that. Mr. Moonsault is uh, MIA, I believe. <laughs> he still he must still work because I've seen his name pop up. Yeah, he was in OTT like last year, but he he vanished <laughs> to the winds of time. Someone who hasn't vanished though is Walter or Chris Brooks, and they were sort of the center of this show. Um, their match. It was the best on the show. It was kind of hyped as a main event, even if it didn't end up being that. And also the Chris Brooks promo afterwards. Yeah. Well, I thought they, they shifted it off the, the main event slot because I thought it was going to be like a massive downer. Um, yeah. Because I honestly thought Brooks was going because that was what I'd heard. Um, and from, from what the, the promo entailed is that he said he'd, be, he'd received an email, he'd received an offer, but he turned it down. But whether it was like an offer, offer as in come live in Florida, or whether it was a uh, uh, here's a contract that we might give you a contract at some point if we feel like it offer, I, I don't know. So I don't know how solid that offer was, but he's turned it down. Yeah, it was a really great promo from him, and like obviously Brooks isn't particularly known for his promo quality, but like just speaking from the heart about a, a topical issue. In, in the world of Britress, you know, it meant a lot and it came across really well and it got her through great numbers on the Twitter by posting it the day after. Um, so, yeah, just a, a really awesome moment for Brooks, who, well, uh, it was as a they double said, declaration win. of in- independence. Yeah, I think it was a double win for Brooks because not only has he gone out there and shown that when he's got the the motivation, the content and the emotion to back it up, he can deliver an absolute world-class primo. Not only that, his last month worth of work, he's shown me what his ideal role in professional wrestling is, which I didn't even realize. Um, he's wrestled Cassie Sono and Volta, and for me, those are probably the two best Chris Brooks singles matches I've ever seen. And it's come down to this, it's like, when he's playing the underdog, he's really fucking good. So I just want to see him in that kind of a role. Going forward, I think they can mm-hmm. do that. Uh, Rev Pro and Progress can potentially put him in those kind of positions because I think he's always struggled because he uh, he has like the indie boy uh, offense, but he's just really tall. So you you kind of have him in with somebody like Travis Banks, and I'm just not buying into the dynamic that they've got because I feel like Brooks should be bullying him, and he isn't. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Like, as an underdog in the last couple of matches he's had against the big boys, he has come across really, really well because he does have that kind of natural sympathy. You know, he is like a soft-spoken guy. Um, you know, he's obviously built up this um, incredible gimmick with CCK. Um, you know, people want to root for him in that regard. Um, and maybe it's time to evolve the character beyond what he had originally and become sort of a more underdog babyface kind of character even if he is over six foot tall and you know stands above everyone else well it's know, str- again- it is strange for me to say that but like i hadn't seen him in those positions before so it was yeah. like seeing him in that match with uh with cassie sono then seeing him in the match with volta it just kind of clicked and yeah. i was like oh shit yeah this is I- the perfect role for him you just haven't seen him in many singles matches full stop and the ones you have seen him he's been in against like uh, millie mckenzie or mako satamura like where he can't play the underdog at all, so it's sort of been it has been a new role for Brooks, and he's kind of excelled in it. Um, and yeah, it's really cool to see him garner so much of a reaction and stand out from the crowd so much by not signing for WWE. Um, taking, uh, you know, we've been hearing all about these, you know, very low level contracts like IOU one tryout contracts, um, <laughs> which the, prom- the promise ring of contracts. It's just bizarre to see. So I think Brooks, with his, you know, the CCK stuff, you know, with him working everywhere, selling all the T-shirts, that's how he makes his living. Um, you know, it's cool to see him hold on to that independence and that kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it, but punk rock attitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got chills listening to his promo just because it was, it just felt like it was real, you know? Yeah, definitely. and that's uh, that's what I like so much about. I, I kept raving about that Jimmy Havoc promo over Strong Style Weekend. That was just it was mm. real, and that's what made it so good. And um, the, when it comes from the heart, like you, your promos are always better. I think that's what we've got in Britress. Like it feels a bit more like down to earth and I guess grittier than maybe a lot of other indie places or in Japan. Um, 
you know, we're not on TV, we're not really mainstream. Like, it's good to see that sort of embraced by someone like Brooks. Um, you know, it's not all flashy and bright colours. It's, you know, just speaking from the heart, as you say. Um, and if, yeah, this match and this promo really personified that. So I thought that was really awesome and it made the show really pop off in that regard. Um, but then also on the, the flip side, there was the Ginny stuff um, and her actually going to WWE UK. And like, I'm not like saying that's a bad thing or anything, just like it's the opposite end of the WWE contract news. Yeah, the uh, the whole Ginny thing in Rev Pro is just a disaster for Andy Q, a complete disaster. Like, we, we keep praising him for his, the way he's able to maintain relationships with different promotions. Uh, but I think... Uh, you go back to January, and we had uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. against Mustache Mountain at uh, the big January York Hall show. And that was a very difficult booking decision because somebody was going to get pissed off. And I probably wouldn't have put them in the ring together, but it did create that whole vibe of, like, I can't believe we're seeing this match. You've got... Oh, that was, yeah, spectacular. WWE versus New Japan, and New Japan won. Um, but yeah, that's basically, that was Andy making his bed there and he's kind of been punished for it a little bit later than I expected, but WWE have very much been looking at, at people that are in his promotion and are central to like his booking. And that is absolutely personified with Ginny because he only has Mm -hmm. a women's division because of Ginny. Like Ginny was the women's division. That yeah. they booked every show, every match. Centered yeah, down Ginny. completely. Like from the the start of, we're looking like two years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> they started booking Ginny, bit uh, to beat other people. Like before they had a division at all, and then like eighteen months later, they brought the belt in just so Ginny had that prop to say, "Look, I really am the best." Even though they'd already kind of proved that by having to beat everybody, and then the whole long term goal was build somebody up to beat Ginny and instead of getting that long build it's like shit we've only got one show before we can't use her anymore who's available and I don't mean to make that sound bad for like Jamie Hayter but like it didn't feel like there was any kind of a build for this at oh, all yeah. it was just like shit we need yeah, she beat Millie McKenzie it. like the week before and then suddenly beats Ginny, <laughs> which nobody else has done for two years. Well, yeah, obviously it was rushed, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I was talking to Ian Hamilton about this, and he, he was saying like the original match that Jamie Hayter was booked in for that Portsmouth show was Brandy Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you imagine, I presumably Brandy would have won that match. Would that have been the match they put on here? Would it have been Ginny and, and Brandy Rhodes? I don't even, <laughs> was she even available? <laughs> I, I'm not sure she probably would have... Uh, no, because she wasn't, she wasn't even in Japan, so yeah, maybe she could have stuck around, but yeah. it's uh, <laughs> That would not have been an ideal situation for them. That would have been an odd one, um, to say the least. <laughs> um, how did you think the, the match came off? Uh, not great. Uh, Jamie Hayter is an absolutely perfect heel. Uh, I think she's one of the best uh, women's heel wrestlers in Europe. Yeah. Uh, like her mannerisms as a heel are, are sensational. I thought the work she did. Um, did you see the Eve uh, Wrestling Queendom show in the end? Or not? I haven't yet. No, sorry. <laughs> There's uh, in the War Games match, all the stuff that she was doing on the outside of the ring was world class, world class heel stuff. Like pulling yeah. uh, someone's arm through the, I think Emmy Secura's arm, someone's arm, anyway, pulling it through the cage and like trying to drag it into the cage wall and stuff. But the the work in that match was great. And that's what she's good at. But here she was kind of forced into a, a, a like a de facto babyface routine that mm. just didn't suit her in the slightest. And in order to make up for that, they tried to throw out some kind of uh, big spots and they couldn't have had a long time to prepare that. The uh, runner off the top rope in this match terrified me. Ooh, they only just like rotated it. Oh, it was, yeah. It wasn't good, yeah. I don't know what went wrong there. Like, I, one of them didn't realise what was happening until it was too late and the the prospect of one of them getting dumped on their head off the top rope was extremely real and that was one of several examples that uh, was was just awkward, but that was the most dangerous looking. 
so yeah i i was worried about this all the way through it and i don't know if i'm andy quilden i'm just so angry with the situation that i've been put Mm. in there because that was something that he could have built to that's something he could have yeah he had it in his back pocket yeah i'm sure he had that in mind to be like a big match at some point down the line and not only has he lost that big match and lost the big pop of of the of the changeover, but he's ended up with a champion that's in a role that's completely foreign to her, and presumably uh, they'll do the smart thing and just have her heal. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, continuing on with her as a babyface, I just don't think is a any way to go about it, uh, and it would not take much to just flip her back heel. No, oh, absolutely. Like one angle at the cockpit, and yeah, they can realign the division, but certainly a lot more work to do after the Ginny stuff has fallen yeah. through. She's uh, on the, the WK. On the plus side, great opportunity for Jamie Hayter, and I'm sure she'll oh, kill absolutely. it long term. Yeah, because they always had they always had like a, a core of like um Jamie Hayter and Zoe Lucas like d- doing like these Portsmouth shows in Rev Pro like a couple of years ago. So this is almost like um like a long time service achievement for for Hater like propping up the like very very early women's division when like they weren't promoting it at all on cockpit shows or anything. Um, it'd be nice to see Zoe Lucas back because she's quite good now and <laughs> yeah. they can move her up as like a ref for original. I think uh, an ideal situation for them would have been uh, if in January when Ginny uh, did broken wrist. I can't remember yeah, what she did now. Yeah, that really hurt them as well. If the, in- the injury earlier, in if the when she got that injury, they'd just gone, okay, we'll just reset and done a tournament. Then they yeah. could have had Ginny at this point ready to challenge again and come up short, therefore having their new champion look uh, better for having beaten Ginny. Whereas yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate that her like reign as the champion has been poor because like the build up to that championship was quite good and the the cockpit stuff they were doing last year was very compelling. Um, but yeah, since since the title win, she got injured and only had that one defense in the York Hall, I think. Yeah, that was um, it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, like with with the benefit of hindsight, that would have been the ideal thing to do. But obviously, they toughed it out stuck with Ginny, and then she's left. <laughs> so, you win some, you lose some. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, they won with Brooks and lost with Ginny. Yeah, yeah I know um, Andy Quilden was, was upset that he felt like uh, WWE were kind of picking his uh, uh, roster dry. They were going after the, the people who worked for him a lot. Uh, I could kind of see that. Some of the people that they've gone after are definitely guys Red Pro were looking at using long-term. But at the same time, there's still a lot of talent out there. So I think the Ginny thing is what really hurt them. No, well, absolutely. Uh, and Travis Branks, I think, were the two guys um, who he was using a lot, who have, now he can't at all. Um, so it is interesting that RevPro have sort of been hit the hardest by the WWE UK stuff, um, which means they're essentially limited to only promotions that <laughs> WWE wants them to be working. Yeah. I think <laughs> um, progress would have been kind of gutted by this if it wasn't for the fact that everyone that is signed to WWE is allowed to work with Progress. Oh, yeah. Well, which... I mean, that's the reason why <laughs> they're signed to WWE is like their work in progress. Like, I assume is what WWE or NXT guys are seeing most of and why like they're, who they're selecting. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That and obviously the World of Sport guys <laughs> who they've selected very... Um, very interesting, which we'll get to later on when we discuss the UK Championship tournament. Yeah, let's, um, yeah, let's just finish up this Red Pro show and then get yeah, into the into that chat. Absolutely. Uh, I thought the Arrows of Hungary were really, really impressive. Um, I think they've done another Rev Pro show as well as this, but yeah, they seem to be branching out a bit more after Icarus did well over 16 Carat weekend. Um, and he's bringing Dover along with him in this act. Um, done a couple of shows in the UK, also a couple of shots for WXW. Um, and yeah, I'd say they're almost like a, a new age Sumerian death squad with all the tattoos, like the more agile guy and the big guy and the European flavor. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, they've got a good look. And 
the the first match that they had was with uh, Gideon Gray and Rishi Ghosh, the Legion of Lords. So it was more of a yeah. storyline kind of match. This was a, like a let's see what you got in the ring. Oh yeah, uh, and they killed it. Absolutely killed it. Uh, Aussie Open have been uh, fantastic this year. Oh, I yes. think they they have uh, sometimes fallen into formula uh, because it's easy to do, and especially when you've got Mark Davis, great hot tag. Carl Fletcher, mm-hmm. great sympathy. It's very easy to do that with them. Uh, but in this match, they didn't do that. They did a little bit of it, and then they kind of took it in a different direction. And I thought this was kind of on a par with uh, like the Mustache Mountain match that everyone loved uh, from, uh, I want to say, Lucha Forever last year. That kind of when you, you think, what's a great Aussie Open match? You kind of think that match, and also the, the Mustache Mountain match from Fight Club Pro. So for them to kind of have that match with the Arrows of Hungary, kind of that's testament to how good they are. I think especially Icarus. Like, he's really good. He's a good pickup. Yeah, Aussie Open are putting together a hell of a a run for the Britty, the tag team, (laughs) the Britty. I think Um, they're head head and shoulders above everyone else at the moment. And they've got World Tag League, where where they'll get free matches. I'm sure they'll be able to diversify those matches and get a a lot of time in the ring to bolster that resume. Um, With their match with the Hunter Brothers at WXW London was awesome, which I got to see live. They've just been on every single show they're on. They have a really good match. Like as you say, it, it may be sometimes formulaic, but if you don't see them really, really often, I don't think that matters too much. Like they're very, very exciting. They have incredible closing stretches, um, and yeah, I <laughs> I hope they get to do a lot in this this progress tag series that they're doing, and probably I think they'll win that. The, the eventual Thunderbastard and Wembley, which would be really cool for them. And they've got the World Tag Team League. So <laughs> it's all coming up Aussie Open right now. But Arrows of Hungary as well. Very impressive showings now that they seem to be a more regular act going in Europe now. Well, two matches in Red Pro, I wouldn't call them regular. but uh, well, in yeah, WXW they're getting the, as well. Getting the, getting the name out there anyway. Yeah. Uh, the stuff we haven't talked about is all storyline stuff, which I, yeah. I think is kind of interesting. But it's like uh, you got the Josh Bodum. Uh, storyline with Dan McGee I think that's coming together quite nicely I really like Legion of Lords the, the, what they've got going on there they're finally teasing something with Gideon Gray and Richie Ghosh <laughs> splitting <laughs> they've been like a tag a, team a for like year five deal. years <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah they've got that going on uh, I like what they're doing with Anti-Fun Police as an extension of that uh, yeah, they're totally using fun. Santos really well Santos and Rishi Ghosh is a, a fun tag team that they've got and the David Starr thing with uh, El Fantasma, that, that got uh, tremendous heat in the main event. Oh yeah, the way they're using David Starr is unlike how WXW and Progress are presenting him like in a completely different universe, basically. <laughs> like He's yeah. such a, a shit talker. Um, and yeah, the, the low blow on Fantasma as soon as the match was restarted as a championship match was... He's <laughs> just so frustrating. Um, the only so bad if, thing about that, that is they'd done that's... the same finish with uh, Adam Brooks earlier in the night. Yeah. I just wish they'd had that conversation that's and just a... said to Adam Brooks, well, you can have the finish that way, just don't kick him in the nuts. Just do a, a deliberate DQ or get counted out or something, but just don't do the kick in the nuts because yeah, that's the main event finish. Can't have two finishes. <laughs> two finishes <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah. It just yeah, it rubs me up the wrong way. But I, I do think if they put Star vs. Phantasma on in the York Hall um, this summer, I think that could do very, very well as like a semi-main event there. Um, I think LP has... He's he's built up a groundswell of goodwill amongst the fans. You know, he, he's gone on from just being Kyle O'Reilly's best friend, as he introduced mm. a, <laughs> me and Matt Yano. <laughs> he walked up to us and introduced himself as Kyle O'Reilly's best friend last summer, and we were very perplexed. Um, but since then, <laughs> he's done a lot of good stuff, and I think like a big York Hall title win would be awesome to see from him. I think overall, this was a really strong show. Like I was Definitely. quite impressed with this when I came away from it. Like I say, that the sort of WWK news permeated through the show, and I felt like everyone just had an extra spring in their step. Maybe Andy Key was fired up backstage, and obviously the Walter Chris Brooks match, um, you know, a really standout performance from Brooks. Um, like, he, he's really maturing as a singles guy now, and it's great to see. 
Um, and also Walter's in <laughs> Walter's here in RevPro to fight the Japanese guys. <laughs> so I think that is something we're going to be building too. I, yeah, he hinted at doing Volta and Ishii, and I was like, "Oh, really? <laughs> Sign me up." Uh, that's that's the one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think but there's we'll... plenty of other matches because like he hasn't wrestled like anyone from New Japan, so there's pretty much everything is is fair game there. Yeah. And obviously, they're doing Strong Style Evolved in, I think, three weeks. So we'll preview that uh, on the next show and then review it on the show after that. So <laughs> we're going to yeah. get very RevPro X New Japan heavy. That's cool. Um, so do you want to talk about these WWE signings? Definitely, yeah. So we have Phase 2 of WWUK going now. Um, and obviously, the UK Championship Tournament the second one, <laughs> but it's still called the same thing for some reason. Um, it's the happening in the races. Royal Albert Hall, of all things. <laughs> um, that's going to be happening next Monday and Tuesday as we're recording. So it's, it's an interesting place <laughs> to have wrestling in the modern day. Um, and also, well, it, always in- used to, it was their spot, wasn't it? They used to yeah. do um, uh, like the uh, Battle Royal at the Albert Hall and they'd have all the... Uh, this was like 1991... They'd run shows there. WWE themselves would run shows there. So was, wrestling wasn't like an arena sport in in the UK necessarily yeah. then. But uh, the kind of tours they did, you'd have like Bulldog and then like <laughs> like nobody else. Hmm. Like you couldn't get any of the other big names on there. So um, that's where they ran that as opposed to like 92 when they run SummerSlam at uh, Wembley. They had like everybody... So I like the I like the little throwback to um, WWF of the past, and then they've hired a brand new batch of WWE UK wrestlers. Um, obviously, we have the big names in uh, British Strong Style and Mark Andrews and Wolfgang for some reason <laughs> already on on the bill. But this this new batch is feeling very similar to the roster that World of Sport had. For their one-off special back in 2016, <laughs> and yeah, they definitely looked at, at that and thought, "Well, who out of here, this is is usable?" Uh, and they've picked up like Ligero, uh, Mastiff, Ashton Smith, uh, Joe Coffey. I think he was on that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And so Ke- that, Kenny Williams as well. Uh, Kenny Williams. Yeah, they're basically just taking everyone that they thought would be of any use to World of Sport and just then just left them to it. Yeah, good luck. Uh, Booking a show with what's left. You've got Grado, I suppose. But yeah, I, the the whole world of sport thing, I think they're, the show they put on was bad. Oh, yes. And <laughs> I don't see any chance of them putting on a good show anytime soon. The The main coup for, for WWE was that they saw Zach Gibson as the big star of that show. And then the, he was the big star for a five-star show as well before that got cancelled. And they saw him and went, yep, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sign him. And they did. Uh, they should have signed him before, to be honest with you. And I think Gibson has done a great job going out there, getting his name out. Uh, he's a terrific promo. He might be the best promo going uh, in wrestling because he can do that. He could do the promos that he does in front of any crowd. Whereas I think uh, Trent Seven, who we're, we always say, like, Trent Seven's a great promo. I think he he does like that cheeky insider promo better oh, yeah. than anyone else. But he's uh, the, the smarks, aka yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't think he has a promo that you can do in front of kids. Whereas like Zach Gibson can do his promo in front of absolutely anyone. Uh, he's, he's that versatile, and I think he's going to get a shit ton of heat <laughs> in these uh, these shows. Mm. That I'm looking well, forward to. They actually signed Gibson like outside of the, the batch of yeah. like uh world of sport signings like they, well, they did like a big yeah, they, signing a month ago but gibson was around wrestlemania time yeah they they deliberately did that specifically to sabotage five star <laughs> yeah <laughs> um which i appreciated because uh, i'm, fi- it, I'm it fine with them sabotaging five star <laughs> i'm so glad that's just dead and gone and we could just it's forget over. about it's it it's finally yeah. over so yeah, the matches we got on the the tournament bill for the Royal Albert Hall are Zach Gibson versus Jack Gallagher, Flash Morgan Webster versus Jordan Devlin, Joe Coffey versus Dave Mastiff, and Travis Banks versus Ashton Smith. 
Um, and the winner of that tournament gets to face Pete Dunne, the WWE UK champion, the night afterward, also in the Royal Albert Hall. Um, do you particularly have an opinion over who should win? <laughs> um, I think the final is going to be uh, Gibson and Travis Banks. Uh, I like the the quarterfinals have turned out exactly how I wanted them to. When I looked at the original lineup, I I was started picking people off, going for fuck's sake, Dan have Joe Connors in there. Mm. I I don't want him, and I don't want him. And I just looked down the list, thinking it's it's basically a list of people who WWE have seen before and didn't rate particularly highly, and those are all the guys that have gone out, and now they've kind of got down to more of a, a nitty gritty situation i think mastiff is just there to put over joe coffee to be honest uh i don't i don't think he's gonna get any kind of a a long-term traction in in wwe ashton smith is a a perfectly talented guy but like he's just there to put trav over uh it's the top end of that that i'm more interested in because i'll be interested to see whether it's flash or or devlin that they they rate because whoever wins that match is clearly the one that they're more interested in in pushing as a, yeah. as a professional wrestler. So that'll be interesting. And Gibson and Gallagher, they have so much history. If they uh, can have one of their great matches, then that'll be the match of the tournament. Yeah, I think the final will most likely come down to Banks and Gibson. Banks is the progress champion. Um, and they'll probably hype him up as such, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think Gibson is the guy you're going to be looking at. Um, if, if they, they go signed to, him away from the others and if they, <laughs> they go just to, like him. Sorry, if they go to form, like what they did uh, in January, they had Pete Dunn, uh, not January this year, January like yeah, the year yeah. before. <laughs> uh, they had uh, Pete Dunn was the star of the tournament. The tournament existed to get him over, but then he lost the final so that there was somebody else got over as well. And I don't know if the, the aim here is to do that with either Travis Banks or possibly Joe Coffey. I'd be surprised because I don't think Coffey's really on a level where I'd want to see him wrestle in a in a, a major event. Whereas Gibson, I feel, would bring a lot of heat to like anything that he did. And Travis Banks is just a very good wrestler. So, yeah, I can see them going either way. Yeah, there's also sure. a women's four-way... Um... Isla Dawn versus Ginny versus Kelly Kelly versus Tony Storm. And the winner of that will face Shayna Baszler the night after. Um, Is this Tony Storm finally (laughs) getting in with WWE? Um, Or is someone else winning this? I don't know. Tony's just booked everywhere, though, isn't she? So it's kind of of hard to to get a a read on... uh... Is she just doing the ZSJ Ibushi run here? I think she'll end up there eventually. It's just whether... I think they wanted to work on her promos. I think that's what it comes down to. If she could talk, well, she can talk, but she's not. She's not a great promo. Whereas well, I think she's not. Jin- she's certainly not a WWE talker. Yeah, <laughs> like she does think- the, the awkward talking. Ginny's um, like more of a, I suppose. Ginny's more of a promo. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I think even though Ginny is uh, less of an in-ring talent, I think that's probably where they go here. But, but then I um, can't imagine Ginny uh, being in there with Shayna Baszler. Yeah, looking, yeah, that's <laughs> it's business killing. <laughs> yeah. So I think Ginny's the one that they 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 will probably look to use in this capacity. But at the same time, yeah, I don't see her winning the match. So, uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I guess Tony is is kind of a no brainer because she's the best wrestler out of the four. But at the same time, it's like. If they're going to push her into that match, it's like, are they looking to push her long term? I don't know. Unless she's signed a deal of some kind, I just can't see her getting a big, mm. big deal out of the the, the Baszler match. You know yeah. what I mean? And I guess the the big question over all of this is: Are you actually interested in the WWE UK brand? Is it going to be oh, something no. that you keep coming no. back to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that just seems odd because this. Is almost like them trying to appeal to us and like our g- group of fandom, and it just like it kind of misses the mark. It isn't really what <laughs> what we want necessarily. Well, I was, I was saying this to a bunch of the guys the other day uh, when they had the original lineup for the tournament. I said to them like, if Progress put that tournament on, we would be shitting all over it. 
Oh yeah, like with <laughs> some of the names they had in that first tournament and in the first round of this, which we yeah. aren't going to watch because it was in a tent <laughs> in a, a music festival. I kind of think they probably could have got something out of El Ligero, but um, I'm kind of surprised they put Ashton Smith in the spot that I would have put El Ligero mm. in. Yeah, like, it's uh, surprising, especially since they destroyed his gimmick for <laughs> <laughs> to put him in a tent. Yeah, kill his gimmick, job him at download, <laughs> and then don't put him on TV. I don't know. So yeah, it it just seems like a it's well obviously it's being done to counteract world of sport and nip it in the bud before it can become any sort of threat in the UK market. <laughs> if I'm speaking cynically, but if Triple H has even like an ounce of um, credibility when he says, "Oh, we've been planning this for a long time," and <laughs> world of sport just sped it up, then I he may need to go back to the drawing board on the UK brand because. It just isn't anything, and the way that belt has been used has been just so insignificant. It's just a prop. Has yeah. anyone even looked remotely close to beating Pete Dunne for that title? Every time they book him in a match and they say the UK title's on the line, I'm like, oh, Pete's winning then. Yeah. <laughs> like, they had him against Connors at the start of the year in progress, <laughs> and that, that angle was universally shat on, so... <laughs> It's it's been a torrid time for the the WWE UK brand. It's kind of seeped into progress. In it's, an it's a pretty way. looking belt. I'll give them that much, but like that as a brand, it's just been completely worthless. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't care about this. I, I care about it just about enough to like pass comment on what the the tournament brackets yeah, yeah. look like. <laughs> but if I had a choice between watching this and watching pretty much anything else. I'd probably go for the other option. Mm. Like if it was one of my normal promotions, like a, a New Japan, All Japan, something like that, I'd, I'd just watch that instead. And when you compare it to the way RevPro has merged into New Japan storylines, like with Dominion yesterday and Ishii and Suzuki beating the shit out of each other to build up to presumably a match in RevPro, it, <laughs> you know, there's there's certainly a difference in quality of how the two mergers have been presented, I suppose. I think the problem is WWE keep trying to portray this as important, and it isn't, whereas uh, well, New Japan always portray uh, like the RevPro belts as something that happens low down on their cards, Yeah, which makes me sit there and go, yeah, that's where it, about where it should be. It's not insulting your intelligence. <laughs> They're not saying Pete Dunne's going to be main eventing WrestleMania, defending the UK Championship. Like... They're not just like promising the not world. Not unless it grows like six inches. <laughs> Small boy belt. <laughs> oh dear. I do love Pete Dunne. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. No, absolutely. But like, if if you're gonna be like a, a massive WWE star, then you're gonna kind of need to be realistic opponent for somebody like Braun Strowman. And let's face it, there are not a lot of British wrestlers who are going to be in that bracket, I pretty much just say Chris Brooks. And the problem with uh, with that is he just doesn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Volta doesn't want to do it, so that pretty much limits your options, doesn't it? And here we are. <laughs> so, WWEK Phase 2, I think that pretty much puts a bow on it. Um, I don't know if we'll particularly review... The UK Championship Tournament, I guess we can mention it. And if they, Are any they even more developments it? come from it. I think it's on the network. It's um, not live, is it? So Okay, <laughs> well... There we go. <laughs> the fact that we don't haven't actually looked, I think that kind of speaks volumes yeah. about it. If there's any, like... If they actually start doing anything with it, other than just countering everything ITV does... Uh, we might talk about it a bit more, but as it is, it's just kind of a cliff note. <laughs> yeah, it's the Fuck ITV project, which um, I kind of approve of, but at the same time, it's it's just like big man WWE with his billions of dollars just coming mm. and stomping on a little TV project just because he can. If it was a TV project that could be good, then I'd probably be more upset about it, but they're just stomping on something that I think is going to be shit, so... I'm kind of fine with that. Yeah, they're, they're, but 
it just it doesn't enter our remit because I mean ITV are aiming that at a different market to us and WWE are countering that with a different thing that isn't aimed at us and it's just <laughs> well Gibson and Gallagher will be good yeah. <laughs> just watch that match it'll, it'll that'll be on the network somewhere oh yeah that'll be fine shall we move on to OTT and Scrapamania, yeah. which happened, yeah, not... as you say, <laughs> four <laughs> weeks ago, <laughs> but <laughs> we're only just getting around to it, because uh, a lot of shows happened like four weeks ago that weekend, um, and this one just filtered down to now, um, but it, it had like a big main af- event. It was a week after like Strong Style, so yeah, I yeah. was still catching up on stuff from that weekend, so it just kind of slipped uh, through the cracks for me, so I, I literally just saw it today, although I saw... Um, Osprey and Riddle when they put that up on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, uh, Meltzer went four and three quarters on that match. And I'm pretty certain that's what I gave it. Ooh. Yeah, it's a really good match. Oh, yeah. And I didn't think it was as good as uh, the match they had at WWN Super Show Mania Weekend. And let me tell you why. Because that match uh, had a like a focus with uh, Osprey's neck. And it had Riddle showing a completely different side of himself because he came out there and he really targeted the neck. He was a complete asshole. And you got to see a different Matt Riddle. Whereas this match, the the OTT one, was uh, Riddle doing the hits, Osprey doing the hits, and then them doing counters to everything. And it was a fucking great match, but it just didn't have the same... uh, investment for me it wasn't like a mm. completely different kind of match that you'd never see anywhere else like the the one was at uh, wwn what i like about it though is that osprey and riddle have established a rivalry here like the matches that they had the one in progress uh when was that end of 2016 yeah that was riddle's first match in the uk the, yeah. the infamous one <laughs> where he got paraded out of the ballroom yeah that was just a like a, a sprint uh Riddle won in like nine minutes or something. And then you got to uh, the WWM one over Mania Weekend where they got to tell more of a story. And then this is like, this is a like two fantastic wrestlers doing lots of wrestling stuff against each other. So they've had an interesting little uh, trilogy there. I think at some point you're going to see them for a, like in a major setting. I just don't know when or, mm-hmm. or what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these two are just like next level athletes and performers, yeah. and the shit they do just it it boggles my mind. But, but I can't remember the exact spot, but I think Osprey or oh, Riddle hit a powerbomb on Osprey. He like flipped him over and then kneed him all in mm. like one motion, and it was just incredible. And from that point, the match really lifted off into its closing stretch. Um, so really, whenever these two fight, and whenever they fight anyone else. It just, it feels like a a different environment to what you would usually get from pretty much anyone else because <laughs> they can just do stuff that nobody else can. Um, it's not only it's not only the the whole thing of like Osprey can do flips. We all we all know he's yeah. a great <laughs> flippy wrestler, but he's brought the intensity and he's brought that like yeah. that realism to it. Yeah, I thought his strikes in this were amazing, and that's going up against somebody who in uh, Riddle who prides himself on yeah. his strikes. But yeah, he was. Osprey was like right in his face all the way through this. Yeah, it's not like a, the Lucha flippy dudes where it's all incredible, but it just looks like a, a street performance. Like it has that sort of legitimacy of a real fight while also being like the Matrix, <laughs> but in real life. Um, and that's sort of what we watch wrestling for. It's that great fusion of realism and fantasy. And I think these two nail it based on like what we want from an indie match. This is. Like, this is the pinnacle, really. Yeah, it really is. Like, not the same kind of, like, Okada Omega storytelling stuff, but just, like, the physicality of it. It's just instant satisfaction. Imagine when they add that storyline in there, because that's what got me about the WWM match, is they had that storyline as well. Imagine if they have, like, a long-term storyline where there's added layers. I don't know of what, but, like, of something. And yeah. that's going to really take it to the next level. And <laughs> it's already say, a phenomenal match. If they got to do it in a big situation somewhere, like it seems like New Japan would be the most likely place, but obviously Riddle 
has his issues with Japan <laughs> yeah. right now. But it, like he, that, that seems like something you can in, get over. At a if push. he gets booked in G one, if you got Riddle in G one and Osprey got bumped up to heavyweight and that was a G one main event of a of a show, mm. I think you'd see something pretty fucking special. Yeah, and it's something that could definitely happen in a couple of years. Like, <laughs> R- Riddle's issues can be overcome, I believe. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and then also, I thought the main event really delivered here with that kind of big story, big picture stuff going into it, and I'm really digging Jordan Devlin's OTT title reign here, um, and I hope it goes on forever and ever and ever, because oh. <laughs> he's really embraced that role, and having an ace, an Irish ace in OTT really sets him apart from every other promotion. And I really liked the style of this match with the NWA link, which they hyped up, the mat work at the beginning, um, and just, yeah, how physical it felt, how gritty it felt. Um, and Devlin overcoming Sabre Jr., it felt it felt good. It felt um, not like Super Cena-esque. It just felt like, yeah, <laughs> he survived everything Sabre Jr. threw at him and then threw his best shot at Sabre Jr., and it got him. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like what they did with um, because Saber just beats people up. It doesn't matter who he's in there with. He was in there with Hiroshi Tanahashi this year, and he just beat him up. Yeah, <laughs> he just dominated him for the whole match. Uh, Naito, exact same story. Ishii, same story. So you've got a guy who he goes into matches and just completely dominates people. And Devlin kind of held his own a little bit throughout this match, mm-hmm. and that was an interesting story to me because. Saber doesn't ever let people look like they're on his level, and this this is as close to it as I've seen in a long time. So yeah, he I obviously get, rates Devlin. I get what you mean. Like Devlin re- wrestled this match with that same kind of physicality that Saber brings to other people. Like he's he's fighting all these showmen in New Japan and like bringing the technical stuff to them. And Devlin sort of fought Saber with his own style. He fought fire with fire. Um, and again, that NWA link helped that out, like them telling the story of that. It sucked that um, Saber missed the previous show to this, or like the previous show to that, um, because of the snow, had to cancel the show. And then he couldn't do a promo for this, because in like the promo package, it was just like Devlin. Mm. Talking to Saber and Saber, like responding from afar via New Japan promos. <laughs> mm. It was well edited, but yeah, like obviously it was missing that extra step of having Saber. But then they made I, up for it. I don't it. want to talk about the promos on this show because I think they were really yeah. well done. But uh, I, before we, we finish up on, on Devlin and Saber, uh, I like the way that Devlin dug into his history to help to overcome Zach. It didn't, but it didn't work. <laughs> so he went and got like the put the Paul Tracy uh the t- the twisting T bone thing that yeah. he does. Uh he did the the coup de gras, the Femme Ballad double stomp. Of course. But none of this got it done. I like that it was his move that got it done. And I also like that it was like he was waiting for Sabre to make a mistake. Because Sabre does make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's that's the gimmick of his of his character is like he gets too cocky and he'll he'll try and do some kind of cheeky roll-up variation. <laughs> and that's when you can get him. And that's what happened in this match. Whereas, like, he didn't... I like that he didn't have to, like, fight Sabre at his own game all the way through and then beat him at his own game. So I wouldn't yeah. have bought that. He got, he got like, kind of lucky to beat Sabre here. Sabre had him, but then got caught in a position where the package power driver could be used and then Devlin just yeah. smashed him with it. <laughs> yeah. And I like that they put that finish over as devastating as well. That, that yeah. works for me. So I think they're doing an incredible job with Devlin right now as the top champ and renaming the title was a bit of a stroke of genius. Um, Cause it was always a bit weird calling it the NLW title and didn't really have any significance to someone outside of Ireland um, or someone who hadn't been watching wrestling for that long. So having Devlin as the first OTT champion, it really feels significant. Um, and I think they can do some great stuff with that going forward, um, such as this match. Uh, anything else on the undercard that really stood out to you? Yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, the tag title match. Uh, it was very uh, hijinxy. And yeah. it was, when I was talking about promos, I specifically had this match in mind because they did the, the big uh, video um uh, feature of Angel Cruz and and Be Cool and their their trip to the the stadium, uh, the whole stuff with all the the gunfights and the and the uh, 
the what did he use was it a chainsaw I can't an angle grinder or something i can't remember but like that whole uh, video package i thought was supremely well done <laughs> led into the whole entrance and then gibson and sterling coming out and giving it the whole uh, uh heel heat routine that whole thing worked splendidly well i thought it paid off perfectly and i liked the angel cruisers they they'd overcome a lot to get to that point but they really didn't need to win and I'm glad that they realized that they didn't need to win. Yeah. And that's how the, the match went down. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff in the match as well. The samurai sword and the, the AK-47 <laughs> is just... It was so ridiculous. It was so over the top that it was perfect. Oh, yeah. Like, these, these Angel Cruises match, matches are mental. Um, <laughs> and also the way they involve Team Prick is um, very interesting. And I like they're sort of doing it as baby faces now. Um because they had that massive British Strong Style match, and then Cruz Beacle and Tyler Bate facing them, and that was just like a a, a trip, <laughs> um, and one of probably OTT's best match last year, to be honest. Even though it was just a mental comedy match, it was just so well put together. Um, felt almost like a Dragon Gate match in execution. Um, so yeah, <laughs> they do feel like unique parts of OTT cards, and also I like that. They're almost an evolution of those early comedy matches OTT had when we first started watching OTT. They, like, the undercards were filled up with all these six-man comedy tag team matches. Gymnasties um, and stuff. Yeah, the lads from the flats. Yeah. Um, and now they've sort of evolved to this point where <laughs> it's it's a big part of the show and they can construct such l- long matches as well, like the length of these matches and how intricately planned out they are is, is a lot of fun, and nobody guess, else is really doing it in Europe. It was probably a little bit long, as it was like 20 minutes long, <laughs> and they had all the intro and everything in, yeah. so yeah, I think it probably went a little long, they could have got there a little quicker, but uh, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, and this on top of the British Strong Style match from last year, I think Cruise and Be Cool have earned themselves a permanent place on these big OTT cards. Um, and it's something completely unique. So yeah, looking forward is, to seeing more. It is concerned that OTT uh, historically had really struggled to get uh, Irish talent onto the shows, mm. and it's been a case in the past where they didn't have talent that was ready, and they, it's taken them time to build guys up. But at the same time, you don't want to throw them in there too quickly into these these big matches because I was kind of looking at Jeff Cobb and Tomohiro Ishii and Keith Lee versus Minoru Suzuki and looking yeah. at them going like why isn't there an Irish guy in one of those matches? And then it kind of occurred to me that if you did put an Irish guy in with uh, like a debuting Tomohiro Ishii, he's just going to get shit on. <laughs> it would be overwhelming, yeah. Um, but I think what they are doing with their younger guys right now is really good. They've got these contender shows going on, which is giving them main show experience, yeah. which I think is useful. And also the two young Irish guys we saw at the beginning of this show, Scotty Davis and LJ Cleary are making big strides. I think if anything should happen to Jordan Devlin, if she go to WWE um, at any point in the next few years, Scotty Davis is right there to pick up the pieces, I think. He's going to be their next Jordan Devlin, <laughs> and you can already see him putting it together. And he's like a he's like Tyler Bate age. He, he's Tyler Bate's age when Tyler Bate was a couple of years ago. <laughs> um <laughs> If that makes any sense, so he's he's like what he, what Tyler Bate was. So I think that's quite exciting to see how he'll improve in the next couple of years. And LJ Cleary is just a ton of fun, um, and he'll definitely have a place on these cards as well. They're putting the pieces together slowly but surely, and I think soon enough they won't have to lean so heavily on imports to fill out these big cards. I really like Valkyrie as well. Yeah, um, I think she's got a ton of potential. Like, I hadn't seen her wrestle before this show, but uh, obviously Sammy Jane is the kind of person who will... Uh, she's a very giving wrestler. She'll make her opponent look really strong. I thought she made Charlie uh, Morgan look like a million bucks in the uh, the EVE uh, Wrestling Queendom main event. Um, didn't have quite so much success with Valkyrie because there's less experience there, and this is, like, a, a far less important match than that one was. Mm. Uh, but as in terms of, like, a mid-card match that had to go on after... Uh, Osprey Riddle, I thought they did really well. And and Valkyrie, I think she's in a good spot because 
you had this uh, this pool of talent in in uh, European women's wrestling that was very shallow. Uh, we go back a couple of years ago when we did that first Euro draft, and we were really struggling <laughs> for people. Yeah. But now you've you've got Charlie Morgan, you've got Casey Owens, you've got Laura DiMatteo coming good. You've got uh, Millie McKenzie. Valkyrie can can slot into that pool of talent, that new pool, and I see big things for her. Yeah, they've got that, Go that's definitely it. an exciting part of the Irish growth of talent, and I think Katie Harvey sort of maturing them is going to be exciting as well, because she's excellent, and she can impart her wisdom to Valkyrie and Debbie Keitel, and yeah, we'll see what they can do. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's certainly a different part of what OTT are doing. Obviously, we talk about Davis and Cleary and um, and all the other guys they have on the contenders shows, but yeah, they have the women coming through as well, so it'll be exciting to see you know fresh women's talent out of Ireland, because obviously we're sort of growing more familiar with our new women in Britain, obviously Millie McKenzie stealing all the headlines in in that regard, um, but we'll see what OTT can produce as well. Um, you know, the, their women's division is coming through slowly but surely. They had the all-women show a couple of months ago, so they're starting to put the pieces together. Um, but yeah, I think we um, Sarah and Sarah on the Sarah and Sarah podcast lamented about the positioning of this match after Osprey versus Riddle without an intermission. Which kind of just shot them on arrival. <laughs> that's that's a really, yeah. that's a really tough spot for anybody. Uh, you could say it's a death spot that they've. Do you think they've deliberately put them in it? I don't know. I don't. Well, so. I'd hope not. I think they were more thinking, "Oh, we'll like main event the first half with the women." But yeah, <laughs> putting them on after Osprey and Riddle, which nobody could follow, is yeah a death sentence. So I think they should probably think better about that. I think the, the crowd was still struggling to get over Osprey and Riddle yeah. when Cobb and Ishii was on. <laughs> like, if I was, yeah, if it, I was it Cobb had a lasting Ishii, impact on I them. would not have wanted to have followed that, yeah. that Osprey-Riddle match. It was that good. Yeah, I, we all neglected to say that they put it on the YouTube channel for free. So, I mean, that's where yeah. you first saw it. So, that is a really smart move from them because, obviously, we it's... talk about progress getting big after they put chapter 13 up for free. I think a lot more people will see OTT or like give them a chance. Like they'll say, Oh, OTT, OTT, that sounds cool, but won't actually ever look into it because there's the paywall. Now there's at least a chance to look into one of their best matches ever. I remember when we first started doing this podcast, I was reluctant to buy like a single OTT (laughs) show because I was like, well, only the main event's going to be any good. So what's the point? But um, the, the standard of the shows has, has improved drastically over the past two years. Um, so I, I don't think you're wasting your money anymore. It's a case of balancing what subscriptions you do have to try and make room for it. Yeah. There, there is a lot of choice out there, to be fair. Yeah, it's not something I subscribe to every single month. But, you know, when something like Scrapamania rolls around, yeah, I'll look into it. And obviously, you can sort of time it right so you can watch a bunch of contender shows in a row which is what i'm planning to do in a couple of days just like watch two or three contender shows over a two or three day period just to like see how those youngins are doing yeah do a bit of scouting for the euro draft oh yeah absolutely because that's coming up <laughs> i've got to be prepared well that's about it isn't it <laughs> i think so yeah we sort of <laughs> we've blasted through this but i think we have talked about a fair fair amount and obviously next time is the big preview of Strong Style Evolved, um, which is going to be the big event of the summer. And also we've got Will Ospreay's Japanese promotion with actual Japanese people in it. I'm kind of upset I can't go to that because I'm I'm actually doing like an all-day drinking session that day. <laughs> um, but my intention is to try and go to Fight Club Pro the day after and then Strong Style Evolved is like the Saturday and yeah. Sunday. I'm definitely it's on the Saturday weekend. <laughs> Definitely doing Saturday. I've got my ticket. It's in front of me. So I'll be in Milton Keynes. Ready for that New Japan house show. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. that's what I mean, that's what we've always wanted. We've always wanted a Ink Loss North Suzuki Gun versus Chaos 8-man. It makes me laugh that Ring of Honor did like a full term. We didn't, didn't pay any attention to it at all. Well, <laughs> I, do you really want to watch all those Punishment Martinez matches? Yeah, I just don't want to watch the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, they have fallen out of our peripheral vision. 
what can you do? What can you do? Sign off. That's what you can do. <laughs> do you have anything to plug on? Uh, yeah, head over to uh, rearviewreviews.com. Uh, I've been reviewing a bunch of weird and unusual uh, Japanese wrestling uh, of late. Um, the latest promotion I looked at was, I don't even know how you pronounce it. Is it Ryuq? Ryuq. Ryuq. From Okinawa. <laughs> Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> they put a show up uh, on Japanese TV and I watched it and reviewed it. So, so there's that. My life goal is to retire to Okinawa. And live like Ryuku Don Dog Dingo. <laughs> dingo Dog, isn't it? Or is dog? Ding- no, it's Dog ding- Dingo. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me at another Ollie on Twitter, and also read my reviews on Voices of Wrestling, and listen to that other podcast over at uh, Post Wrestling. <laughs> Shall we sign off then? On. Yep, that'll do us for today. We'll Thanks for joining us. Ta-ra. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.